As Simon said before, uh, this is the second in, um, and the last in our mini-series on giving. And last week, Simon talked about uh, giving in terms of time. And let me thank you for everyone who responded to that. There was a number of people who offered to uh, help with, uh, to be, be on the pastoral team, to help with sound desk. Uh, there's still a whole bunch of things that you can volunteer for that we're still looking for people to volunteer for, particularly youth and children. So uh, if you were thinking last week, I need to act on that, and you've not yet done that, you know what to do, don't you? Yeah, act on it. Don't let someone else take the place that you could have had, because you'll miss out on the opportunity to serve God. And believe me, there's no greater thing than serving God in, and using the gifts that he's given you to help others. And so uh, last week was giving time, and this week is the wonderful topic of giving money. And I know you were all dreading it when you arrived this morning, but uh, I, Andrew just said to me, you love preaching on that topic, don't you? And I do. I love preaching about giving. And it sounds odd because a lot of vicars don't. I love it because it's such, it's such an important topic, first of all. But actually, when you get your head around giving, it is such a blessing as well to be able to give. And so I love preaching on it. And uh, I, I, we always make sure we preach on it every year, uh, always usually the beginning of the year. And the reason for that is in, in lots of churches, especially Methodist churches, they have like at the beginning of the year commitment service, and they quite often use the, the John Wesley prayer commitment, which you've ever read as one of the most challenging prayers you could ever pray. Um, I like to do it a bit more practically. Let's think about how you live out your commitment. It's one thing to pray it, isn't it? Another thing to live out. And one of the key things in which you can gauge your commitment to God is what you are doing with your money. Because money has the power to grab hold of us and to use us. Where God says we need to grab hold of money and use it. And that's why the love of money can be the root of all evil. And so today is all about you thinking through, okay, how am I using what God has given me. And uh, there's a number of things I'm going to say this morning. I'm, going to, uh, I'm all taken from the passage that John read to us. And so I'm going to talk about three attitudes that we need to have when it comes to giving. I'm going to talk about one reason why we should give. And then I'm going to talk about two outcomes of our giving. That's five, six points. All right, so settle down. <laughs> it's going to be a lot. No, it's not. It won't. I'll try and go through it as quickly as possible. First of all, let's just go through the background. Uh, to that passage. So Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and the church in Corinth was a, a really dysfunctional church in all sorts of ways. Lots of things going wrong with it. The one thing it did do really well was give. And so Paul, in our passage, he commends them for their generous giving. They seem to have got a head around what it is to give. Uh, and what he's asked them to do is to, to give to the church in Jerusalem. And the church in Jerusalem was a really poor church. It had no rich members. There was no benefactors for it. It was struggling in all sorts of ways. It was facing persecution at a time of real deep difficulty for the city of Jerusalem. And Paul recognises the importance of having a church right at the heart of the Jewish nation. 
in the city where Jesus died, in the city where Jesus rose from the grave, in the city where Jesus ministered so powerfully to others. He recognizes the importance of having a thriving church there in that city center. And so he encourages churches, wherever he went, to give to this church. Because Jesus came as a light to the whole world, but he came as a Jew. And so he encourages people to give to this church. See, if mission was truly to happen, the place where Christianity was born needed to have a thriving church. And to be honest, Jerusalem still does today. And so he encourages them to give. And to give generously. And the the thing you need to know about this is that he is asking them again. They've already had a collection for Jerusalem and he's asking them for more. And you're thinking, here we go again. Here's Steve talking about money. I make no apology for that. You see, to give is a biblical thing to do. To give generously is biblical. And to ask for you to give is a biblical thing to do. Paul's doing it here. Jesus talked about it. And so one of the reasons I like doing this is because it's so biblical. To ask you to think about your giving is a biblical thing to do. And so they are being asked again. And as you sit there thinking, there's Stephen talking about giving again. Why should we talk about it again? Because the work of the kingdom of God is never ending. It just keeps going on and on and on. You see, the reason what, one of the reasons why we give is to enable the mission of the church. And we cannot sit back and say, well, we've done our bit in Southport, it's all sorted, let's chill. We can't do that, can we? Because we look at our town and we see the incredible need. We see the thousands of people who still need to hear about the good news of Jesus. I've said it before, I'll say it again, probably around about 100,000 people in Southport, 2% go to church on Sunday. It's not a lot, is it? And so the task is never-ending. Let's think simply about the needs of Southport. There are growing needs in this town. You know, when I was a kid living just down the road in McGull, uh, Southport was the place where rich people went. If you got to Southport, you'd made it in life. You've made it. Do you know that? You have made it in life. There is growing poverty in this town. This area where we are now, right now, top 3%, most deprived in England. And part of our task isn't just to preach the gospel but to enact the gospel and to make sure that we are meeting the needs of the people around us. The work of the kingdom is never-ending. And I've only talked about local needs. I haven't talked about global needs. And the unfortunate truth is that to resource the mission of God, it needs people to give time. It needs people to commit to doing things and it needs people to commit to giving. 
because all the things that we do usually at some point end up costing money. Just to keep this building open during the week as our part of our act of mission. And, you know, things go on here every single day. Costs money. And we've got a whole bunch of things that we would love to do that cost more money. And so the kingdom of God, the work of God, is never-ending. And we ask you to, to think about your giving at least once a year. Because it's part of your discipleship, it's part of what it means for you to follow Jesus. That you think through, what am I doing with my money? And we're not, we never ever want to do this, to put pressure on you. And if you feel under pressure, you've got my permission to simply close your ears to everything I'm saying, all right? Because the last thing we want is for you to feel under pressure. But what we do want to be is transparent. We do want to lay before you what our needs are. Because what it would be awful, wouldn't it, if later in this year we lay Emily off and you say, well, we didn't know you needed money. That would be an awful thing, wouldn't it? And so we are laying before you what our needs are. We just want to be transparent. So let's think about three ways or three attitudes that Paul talks about here when we come to giving. Uh, And the first one is this, that we should give enthusiastically. I love that. That you should be enthusiastic about how much you can give to God. And that's enthusiastic, not just about money, but also about the giving of your time. And why should we be enthusiastic? Because giving is an act of worship. Giving, whether it's time or money or anything else, is simply about you saying, Lord, everything I have is yours. The moment you became a Christian, whether you knew this or not, you were saying, Lord, all that I am, all that I have is yours. That's what it means to be a Christian. You are laying it all before God as worship. Everything I am, everything I have is yours. That is true worship. The songs we've just sang, we call that worship, but it's, it, it, well, it is worship. It's only a little tiny part of worship. Worship is the laying down of everything. Not just a little bit of our heart, but all of our hearts. Not just a little bit of our mind, but all of our minds. Not just a little bit of my life, but the whole of my life. That is true worship. And We need to be enthusiastic about worship, don't we? Because, you know, I could, as Simon said, we could easily do the whole thing about, you know, just look at Jesus, how much he gave for you and he died for you. And so we, you know, we're not doing that kind of pressure. You know this. But worship should be a true expression of our love for God. And you can't do that half-heartedly. It needs to be enthusiastic. It needs to say something about what we think about God. And so Paul, in verse 2, he says this, I know your eagerness to help. 
the church in Corinth, they were absolutely ready. They couldn't wait to help the church in Jerusalem. And he says, I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year, you in Achaia were ready to give. And your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. I love that little bit. Not all of them, but most of them, you know? And that's the thing with giving, isn't it? Because let's face it, our possessions quite often own us. We accumulate so much stuff that we actually don't need, and we accumulate more money than we'll ever need in our lives, and we think it's necessary. And most of the time it's not. You are already, again, I've said this before, probably in a top three, one more, probably three to five percent, top three to five percent of the wealthiest people in the world. You might not feel like it, but you are. You have more than the vast majority of the people of this world. And not just a little bit more, but a huge amount more. And so we need to be enthusiastic about saying to God, all that I have is yours and I will do with it whatever you want me to do because this is my worship. The second attitude we should have is cheerfully. That we give cheerfully because as it says, as Paul says, God loves a cheerful giver. We should not give reluctantly. We should not give under compulsion. And I pray that none of you feel forced into giving, all right? That's my hope. But that something would stir within you that, think, that would make you think, Lord, I do want to give because it's my worship. And we should give cheerfully because every time we give, it is for mission. And in mission, we are tearing down the powers of darkness in this world. And for goodness sake, we should be cheerful about that, shouldn't we? We should be cheerful about every single soul that comes to Jesus. We should be cheerful about every single person comes through his doors and finds love and support and help. We should be cheerful about the ways in which we're trying to reach out and touch the lives of others. That should give us joy. And I love that the fact that Paul says uh, the word is hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. Why? Because we're laughing in the face of the devil every time we give. We sometimes think it's just about making the church survive and all that kind of stuff. It's not. It is about supporting the work of God and tearing down the powers of darkness. We need to think about the bigger picture here. It's not simply about making sure we've got enough gas for the heating. It is always about tearing down the powers of darkness so that the light of Christ might shine in this world. And for goodness sake, we should rejoice in that. We should be cheerful about that. We should be laughing in the face of the enemy. Thirdly, and this is a word that comes up all the way through this passage, that we give generously. Just count how many times Paul used the word generous in that passage. It's a ridiculous amount of times, often twice, sometimes three times in a sentence. See, one of the things that we talk about a lot in church, and Christians who've been Christians for a while will talk about this, 
It's about, you know, well, the Old Testament talks about tithing, giving 10% of your income to God. So, but that's the Old Testament. We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. We don't have to do that. And we are under grace. But when Paul's, when Paul's talking about generosity, he has that in the background. That's at the back of their minds. And you see, in the Old Testament, the thing is, giving 10%, that was the basic rate of giving. That was the baseline. What they would do in the Old Testament is they would give 10% of their income to the temple every year. And then on top of that, when God's been good to them, when they've been wealthy, they or when they just want to thank God for something, they would give a thanksgiving offering as well on top of that. And so Paul comes in the New Testament and he says, give generously. So if you are a Jew and you're hearing this, well, that's the 10% that you would be required to give. Generous means something different. That means potentially more than that, doesn't it? But I never want you to get hung up about how much it is as a proportion. Paul says in one of the letters to Corinthians, you know, give what God speaks to you about in your heart. But be aware of what generosity means. Generosity is not three or four or five percent. It's more than that. Generosity is quite a, a huge amount. And so we're called to be generous. And every single one of us will struggle with that. Because we, all of us, in different ways and to different extents, have bought into the whole mindset of our society that says you need to get as much stuff as you can for yourself. We all struggle with it. But let me tell you that when you do give generously, when you learn what it means to have a heart that, where giving is simply a natural expression of what you do, you experience freedom and you experience joy. Getting to that point, even where you're simply tithing, can be a hard journey to get. And if you're new to church and you've not been given before and those kind of things, see it as a journey. Give what you can. But every year, look at what you're giving and think about how you can give more. Andrew and I, ever since we've been married, have always, at the very least, tithed. And you know what? It's never really affected our, our lifestyle. That's the thing that most people can't get their heads around. You know, I, I, I look at my life and I know just how blessed I am. I live a fantastic life. And God has been so good to us and it's never ever been about how little money we think we had. It's simply been about God's goodness to us. And it's funny, you know, when, um, if you ever go to a church in Africa, they really know what it means to give generously and cheerfully and enthusiastically. You'll have seen it perhaps on TV. Some of you may have even experienced it for yourself. That when it comes to the collection, there's worship and there's dancing and people dance down the, down the aisle with their collection that they lay down at the front of the church for God. 
It's joyful, it's celebratory, and it is hugely generous. When you look at how little they have and how much they give, it is hugely generous. Andrew and I experienced that we went to Uganda and we saw just how, how deeply poor people were there, but also how deeply generous. We experienced their generosity because we were welcomed as VIP guests into every village we went to. And they would lay on this spread with more food than you could ever eat in a week for us as big, fat Western people. But for them, it would be like a month's worth of food. They would just lay it out before us. And one of the great privileges we had was to go and see... Crackheads, I always get upset at this point. Uh, We went to see our sponsored child. One of the most deeply moving things that we have ever done in our lives. And we saw the incredible poverty that she lived in. And the thing that touched us was that we went with gifts, you know, things that you give to kids and all sorts of stuff. But her dad gave us a gift. And it was a little wicker basket that he'd made himself with a lid on it. And in it was all the local fruit that he collected. It was probably worth at least two weeks' wages to him. But he gave that to us and we recognised it was a small thing, but it was hugely generous. It was way more than we ever gave him. Way more. But that's the attitude of their heart, that even in their their poverty, they knew what it was to worship Jesus with generosity. And so we're called to be generous, to live a life that expresses our commitment to God by saying, I don't need all this stuff. I was talking with Lynn Trenary this week about the incredible privilege she has of living in the way that she does. She doesn't have a lot of money. She she counts on people like us to give to her. And what she gets, quite often she gives most of that away when she's in Africa. And yet time and time again, she sees just the provision of God in her life in a way that we very rarely see in our lives because she's put herself on the line for Jesus. And so today we're going to ask you to to think about how you might be generous in your giving. And if you feel like you're already giving enough, that's fine. Don't worry, okay? There's no pressure to, to give more. And if you received our church email this week, you'll have seen how I broke the kind of how much we need down a little bit. Because the amount we need is a, seems like a big amount. In order to, to keep Emily as our children's and youth worker and to cover the deficit for the year for all the things that we want to do, it seems like a big amount. But, I mean, there's well over 200 people who belong to our church. If 200 people... And I got the figures wrong, so forgive me. I'll update them now. If 200 people give at least £18 a month, extra on top of what they're already giving, then we're easily covered. And for some of you, that £18 is way too much. You couldn't do that. But for some of you, you could give more than that. We're asking you to just think about it and to pray about it and to see what God says to you about how much you give.
Paul, in our reading, also gives a reason why we give. Adds this. It is simply because of the grace of God. It's because of his incredible grace to us. He says this to the people in Corinth, where he's talking about others. He says, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. Why? Because of the surpassing grace God has given you. See, the the Corinthian people, they were fairly wealthy. Compared to others, they had way more. They recognised it was because of God's grace upon them. And out of that grace, they were to give. And in verses 10 and 11, when you look at it, you can sum it up in this. You know, that God has given you so much and you've been generous. And because you've been generous, God is going to give you more. And that is the experience of so many people when they start to live a life of generosity. That as they simply give out of what they have, that God returns that and gives them more. See, we live a life of grace. We experience grace. And every single day we express grace to others. But finally, two things about the outcome of our giving. First is this. Let's think about the fruit of our giving. Let's think about what that means. And so in our passage, Paul talks about when you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. When you sow generously, you reap generously. And here in this context, the sowing is specifically giving. See, the more you give, the more you're going to reap. And people read this passage and think, as I give, God is going to pour more back into my life. And that is true. That is absolutely a valid, legitimate reading of that passage. But let's not forget that Paul is writing to a community of people. And what he's saying is that as you as a community give, so you as a community will also reap. See, what happens when a community of people start to give time and give money generously, what they're doing is they are creating the capacity to grow. They are creating the environment in which growth can happen. See, when when a church starts to grow and new people start to join, that takes time and energy from those who are already there. We need to start new groups. We need to start new alpha courses. We need to do all those kind of things. It takes time and energy and also increases the financial burden because as more things go on, ultimately that costs more money. And we are already seeing some of the fruit of some of the things that like Emily's been doing. You know, to hear of young teenagers giving their lives to Jesus, you'll see them. They they don't know about church yet. They sit on the front. What's that about, you know? They they don't yet know you're meant to sit at the back. (laughs) Giving their lives to Jesus and trying to turn their lives around. It's been fantastic to see what God's been doing in our Alpha courses and seeing lives get radically transformed. 
God's at work doing stuff. Why? Because you guys have already been generous. And if you give to Christ Church, let me from the bottom of my heart thank you. Because whether you give in time or money or both, you are providing the space in which our church can grow. But the more we reap, the more we'll sow. And so I'm asking you to be generous in your giving. Giving both of time and of money. Because in doing so, we are creating the capacity to grow. The other outworking is this. Thanksgiving to God. This is what Paul says in verse 12. The service that you perform, and that service is giving money, is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. See, when you give, first of all, we learn to be thankful as, our, as, as people ourselves. Thankful for God's provision for us. Thank, thankful for God's grace towards us. Thank you, thankful because of when we give, we suddenly start to receive. We learn how to be a thankful people. But also, others will give thanks to God. See, as we create the capacity to grow, as we create that space, there will be people who come to faith and will give thanks for the service of this church both in the time that you give and the money that you give. And one day when we all get to heaven, we will see the fruit of our giving. We will see that fruit. Whether that giving's been time or money or both or whatever, you will see the fruit of how you've lived your life. And you'll see it in people praising God. See, my heart is, and I hope your heart is, and I know God's heart is, that every single soul in Southport turns their heart to Jesus in thanksgiving for what he has done for them. That should be our aim, our hope, our prayer, our desire. That not one person in this town dies without hearing about the love of Jesus. That every man, woman and child get to know of God's love. And that will only happen if you and me together live out a life of commitment to Jesus in which every part of our life is given to him. But in particular, making sure that our time and our money is available to God in service for him. And so today we're asking you to, to think about your giving. You've all got uh, a standing order form in your notice sheet. Uh, some of you already give by standing order. It's there so that you can change your standing order if you want to. Of course, you can always do it online. You don't have to do just the old method. Um, but if you don't already give, if you're not yet committed to giving every week or every month to church, then let me encourage you to take this opportunity to set up a standing order. 
And if you do so, or if you change your giving, could I ask you to do one more thing? Would you tell our treasurer, Liz? Liz is the only person in church who knows who gives how much. She has to because she's the treasurer. She sees what comes into our account. But it would help us to know if you are changing what you are giving. And you've got two options when you do that. You can either just give simply to our general account, which will also include what we need for Emily. Or you can simply say, actually, I want this extra amount to go specifically to Emily and uh, that post. You can do that as well. When you do that, that money will be ring-fenced for Emily's post. Okay? It'll be what's called uh, restricted giving. So would you please do that? We'll obviously, Liz will obviously see it in the account, but if you want to split it up, she needs to know that. Okay? So either tell her, email her, text her, or leave a note uh, in, the, um, in the office. Okay? Would you do that for me? So... Let's stand. We will um, keep you informed of how things are going with the finances, uh, just so that you know how you've responded. Again, it's not about pressure or anything like that. It's simply to be transparent. And I do hope that you'll think and pray about this carefully. And that you'll think through how you can support the mission of our church here.